Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, Nick. Hey, I'm John. Hello, man. And, you know, we got John back, you know. Um, he's done, uh, you know, doing what he's got to do. But, you know, and we're, we're all here again. And the big thing that we want to do um, is we want to jump in on the um, preventative maintenance side of the house again. So we want to get back into that series. This is, it's going to be a series. So I know some people are gritting and bearing. Some people who work in maintenance, you know, you're talking about PMs and people probably don't know what they're talking about. But... I try to sound like you. <laughs> yeah, right. At least, at least we'll give you the, you know, the, 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 the feeling that we know we're doing. Um, so, you know, last time we kind of talked about what is PM and what is PM and um, uh, added manufacturing. So, this week, we kind of want to get into the PMing of, a, of the mechanical side of the house on 3D printers. Because 95% of your printer is mechanical. Hmm. When you, if you think about it. Most of it is. I mean, right. it's very, very limited electronics there. Even, even resin printers are, are still about the 40 to 50 percent freaking or more mechanical. Yeah, you take a little bit of the motors out, but it's still, I mean, a lot of it's that process uh, yeah. of that, that linear actuator. Especially if you're dealing with, and, and you start dealing with the, like the like we looked at earlier, the, the, the Fosen 8K, the large format printer. Oh, that thing's Darkness. massive. Awesome. Um, three thousand dollars though, but massive. Um, it, it, that it, it is massive. But the thing is, it's mechanical. It's got mechanical door hinges on it. It's got the um uh the mechanical what uh what is it freaking ball joint? I think where they were where it was running um uh, uh, linear rail. No, it's it's running linear rail, and then I think magnetic um. The magnetic like bed. I'm not sure if it has like. It doesn't, uh, have, a, it doesn't have a magnetic bed on it no. at all. It's all solid mount. No, no, no the, the vat. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but to be honest with you, it's. I mean, it's not something that I've used before. But like we looked, we we got a, a quick peek in at at Rapid, and it does look like a pretty. It's a pretty large machine, no matter it, what. It's darn cool. But it does it does look like it's got the a, a lot of capability of uh, of what some people were looking for in large format resin printers. Um, it's not as big as, of course, a Voron 2.4 bed or uh, like a Prusa XL, but for 8K resolution. And for the price, the price yeah. is that ain't bad. But no. the thing is, is you know, I kind of we, we kind of you know jumped off there for a second, but there's <laughs> something that, that we like. Um, all those require mechanical PMs. Everything we build requires a mechanical or structural PM. You know, because if you think about it, everything has got, you know, some sort of hardware connection to it. So, you know, with that, I'm going to turn over to you guys. When we start talking about mechanical and structural PMs, you know, depending on its application, we're talking about atom manufacturing, we could talk about robotics, we really want to get into that. Um, what do you think? Uh, I mean, you really could take that in a lot of different directions. I mean, if if we're talking about like IT devices, I know we're most of the time focusing on a lot of industrial things, but um, I, we we kind of stand uh, in the middle of a lot of IT and OT things. Like people think technology, everything technology is IT, not necessarily, but ma majority of that stuff, yeah, it works off of IT systems. So you end up having to get into those PMs, and on the IT side, if that was what I was viewing. Um, I think about you know database database maintenance as a PM, yeah. like you you clean your data or you you clean your queries or things like that. But that also can kind of go back onto the mechanical side, the actual mechanical side, because um, that data database is maybe it's reading robot code, and if you're not performing maintenance on that database, then your mechanical side's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So you you know uh, grease those joints, all all those gears, things like that. I would I would count that still as preventative maintenance that is vital to that machine's everyday wear and tear. Um, but I also view IT as well in there. If uh, you've got sensors, uh, if it works off the database, um, those things still need to be considered. But uh, mechanically, I'm thinking wear joints and things like that. I mean, I guess I don't have as much of a um, the mechanical or the maintenance side. From the IT side, wouldn't we, because here's the thing, if you think about it, um, especially if you're talking about 
you know, the databasing and stuff like that, we, we got to make sure the actual server it sits on is clean. We got to make sure no, really. that, that, that that server has got con- connection. It doesn't have any freight connections on it. The the, the you got good network drives on board. So you're doing your more your mechanical on and and the IT IT side is more or less like your server maintenance, I would think. Yeah, and, Which is and the same thing. Some people don't view that. Especially they, if you got spinning discs. I mean, spinning there's disc. a reason you call it infrastructure. Like it's yeah. it's it's how it's what you build, and it kind of gets off of a little bit of what we were talking about. But like if you if you keep your mind open, it it goes with, you know. You're you're build you're building your architecture for your um, software, your facility, whatever your industry, your, your your production floor, and if you're not careful about your infrastructure, your drops, your fiber, your PLCs, like caring about um, the ports in the area around them is just as important as caring about the the machines that that right. use them. So I I mean honestly though, if you're asking me mechanically what what I go to. Um, where points like what is that joint that moves uh, 20,000 times a day that I go to preventive maintenance for things like that but then I'm thinking about high usage mm-hmm. um, those sense. are those are my risk higher risk so I assess mm-hmm. risk based on how much something's used um, and then the other part is, is if you've got a backup mm-hmm. then I do preventive if everything has a backup I just do preventive maintenance on everything yeah. You just put the backup in place and do the maintenance, and everything's on a schedule. Yeah. So I, I think about it as um, if you need to change out that tool head, that socket, because you've used it so many times, we'll swap it out now. You need to calibrate that tool. We'll swap it out now. I'll calibrate it. You're already moving. We don't stop. So yeah, makes sense. at All least right, it's on right. a downtime. So I'll just touch for a second on uh, databases. Mm. <clears throat> so from a database point of view, the in today's environment, the database could be cloud-based or it could be physical. Yeah. Uh, if if it is either or, it's just a matter of which flavor that you, your company or organization has chosen. Um, the biggest thing to think about with a server and a database is most of the databases, if we're just talking pure data, should be solid state. Mm-hmm. Solid state has so many writes and reads that it can have. Uh, so with that, you offset those writes and reads with maybe a RAID system, or you offset those writes and reads with maybe multiple systems mm-hmm. and some cloud um, um, backup. The other thing you have to consider is the fans that cool the servers. Mm. These are things, even though they're um, designed to work with those type of systems, over so many hours those things can fail. You have to look at spikes that you have from electrical surges and things that can happen that could actually compromise some of the things in a server. Mm-hmm. These are things that I would think would be physical because if you have a surge, it could burn up a motor. If a motor burns up, I don't cool uh, several uh, drives that are being backed up, and then I can lose that. Right. From that point of view. So now I'll move on. Uh, <clears throat> so for me, when I think preventive maintenance from a mechanical point of view, what I, I want to think about is your regular cleaning. Yeah. So from each print that you do on a 3D printer, there are some simple things that you do. You might want to use some compressed air and blow off the bed and blow off maybe you know your drive system. Uh, maybe you want to make sure the nozzle is clean. Uh, maybe you want to make sure you wipe down the bed before the next in between prints after so many prints. Mm-hmm. Not every print, but you know, maybe so many prints. I want to verify that the adhesion of the bed is correct. Yeah, makes sense. So those are some of the things I would think about. So general maintenance is the first thing I would think about is the first line of oh, defense yeah. for uh, 3D printing. I, you know, and I, th- I think that, you know, general maintenance is, is one of those things of where, you know, you really can't go wrong. You know, no matter how you look at it. Because... You know, general maintenance can take can take a, a standard point of, you know, do I replace a bed during that, that during that point? Is there an issue with a bed that's causing warpage or something like that that I need to replace? You know, but it's greasing on your rails, it's greasing your your uh, your ball screws, it's it, it's getting yeah. the dust off of your wheel bearings if you're using wheel bearings. Um, if you're using like the inner set of the house, and you're still using the, the the plastic wheels and stuff like that on the rubber wheels. You know, uh, clean those things off a little bit. You know, hit them with some compressed air, like Ed said. You know, get those things moving. Um, you know, your your bigger 
printers are probably going to have like you know some grease joints and stuff like that you got to hit, you know, and, and and be on their own you know scheduled PM process for you know digital for regular cleaning. Hopefully, some type of ventilation maybe if you yeah. have a if you have some resin or some some um, hazardous chemicals you should definitely check your filters. Yeah, filter replacements. Yeah. I, th I think every time you do a PM, especially if you've been running that 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 printer for say. 20 30 hours straight straight or even if you're running it over two weeks combined time i think it might be time to if, if that if that if that filter is starting to look a little yeah you know replace the darn thing you know it the thing is is printers are cheap your health is expensive um anybody who's dealt with freaking yep. um uh you know um medical bills knows for a fact that that's the case you know the thing is is printers can't hurt you that can hurt you very, very hard. However, is making sure that if they're mechanically sound, the likelihood of them hurting you is very slim to none. So there are two things to consider about when we start talking about filters in particular. Filters are basically just on, uh, you know, how much um, particulate they allow through. Mm -hmm. But you can also check that with CFM. So you can either add sensors or you can take some type of meter that reads CFM and you can verify the CFM that's going through the filter. Um, the reason I say this is that um, if you have a print farm, you're on a particular budget, mm -hmm. and that budget, you know, you know, maybe doesn't allow to change filters, or maybe there's a lot of time involved in cutting those filters. Mm -hmm. If you decide to buy the uh, <coughs> filter material yourself, so one of the things I, I would say in particular, Nick uh, touched on it in particular. With lubrication, so lub lubrication is not necessarily based on look, it's based on the amount of hours of use. Right. And your 3D printer manufacturer has a suggestion for each of the parts if you have a uh, verified product from some manufacturer. If you built it yourself, then you're going to have to do some research yourself mm -hmm. and verify what is the... It's also the type of um, uh, the what is it the lubricant that you're using, and and be careful with that because some lubricants can attack plastic. Yeah, true. Or rubber. Or metal. Yeah, so be be careful with it, or it could affect adhesion on your bed. Right. So be very yeah. careful with how you do lubrication. And the thing is, is, is a lot of time, and I'm glad we're we're starting to get this lubrication thing because most lubricants. It, it, you know, you can go from a, from a, you know, for example, it's like the spray on WD-40 stuff. It goes on as, I guess you could say gas or thereof, propelled liquid. Somewhat solid. Somewhat solid. <laughs> propelled liquid, I guess you could say. And it goes on as, you know, as a solid pretty much when it hits. You know, it, it coagulates and solids up. However, during, and Champ is over here gritting at the teeth, and, you know, his mm. physics brain is going freaking 3,000 miles a minute. No. Um, you, you put that stuff in the enclosure, it gets hot, it turns into a gas can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't put it under vacuum either. If it's hot and under vacuum, it's, you're gonna, it's gonna go boom. And, um, but the thing is, is, it starts to deteriorate your prints too. Yeah. So, like, I, I, no, one I mean, of the things seriously. I would consider, like, most, most bearings will not be, um, requiring WD-40. WD-40 is meant for mechanical, mm -hmm. a truly mechanical. Well, when so I say WD-40, I mean like I, but the I, white grease, the lithium grease. Well, lithium, lithium grease is grease. different or molly is different. Mm. Uh, but if you check with your manufacturer, they're going to tell you what to use. Although I'm not saying that you cannot use WD-40, I wouldn't recommend against it. But normally WD-40 is meant for... Almost like uh, when I'm breaking um, fasteners or if I have a hinge, mm -hmm. it is meant for a, uh, a, pivot, a pivot and an incline going together. Makes sense. You know, it, it's, it's not really meant for uh, a bearing. But I understand what you're saying because someone that has a print form that does not have this background would, would lean towards mm -hmm. WD-40. Or, or a white and that, that was a very around. good that was a give, very good point to bring up. See, I, I like using especially on on printers that are, are out facing that aren't enclosed and stuff like that. I like white lithium grease. To be honest with you, 
It's easily readable. I can easily find it. I can spray it on the on the slick surfaces, like you know, like guides and stuff like that. It's fine. No issue. Yeah. However, if it's on an enclosed application, I really don't like to use it. Um, even though I don't know. You're the physics guy, so I do. I default yeah. view if it involves anything <laughs> that deals with mathicals. Um, is the fact that I don't know if white lithium grease on linear rail has the right heat transfer that that will create the phase transition from solid to gas. Yeah, I I think it's it's. I mean, I'd have to look at a lot, a lot of like the chemical, right? Like, chemical breakup, uh, yeah. like how 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 it reacts with certain things. But honestly, at at a certain level, I mean, heat heat and chemicals that that I mean, if you, if if you have some chemicals that came into uh, contact with each other and you're experiencing heat, that is a chemical reaction. Right. Heat dissipate. Like it's it's that's not good if you're just sitting around. And sometimes those chemicals can be kind of very toxic which is why we say be careful but at the end of the day like for me the preventive maintenance of those things is even just the safety and and what happens what what, what happens if this um pm fails too right. i think that that assessment is also just as important i mean some some resins i mean they're proprietary blends people are just trying mm -hmm. their own plastic polymer blends so like you can get some some incidental reactions but I think in a closed in enclosed environment, it's safer. But I wouldn't want to be in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, but fun. but if we're talking about lubrication mm -hmm. and and lithium grease on those um on like linear rail uh, ball joints or, or or you're talking about just standard, um your your like let's say your Z lead screw yeah. uh, that's on majority of like consumer printers. I mean you have some type of Z on all industrial ones, but. If you just want to grease that, um, I, I mean, I suggest the white lithium. I haven't had, unless you're printing at temperatures of upwards of like close to 300 Celsius, I haven't had the need to print that high. Mm -hmm. At those temperatures, I would then need to, I worry about the phase transition. I worry about when it becomes uh, from that liquid to a gas. Yes, you should you should be thinking about those things um, because then you're inhaling that gas. And I can mm -hmm. tell you that's not good for your lungs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also, when we talk about preventive maintenance, I, lubrication is, is vital. Um, but also if, if you have like a dual Z or if mm -hmm. you've got several Z motors, alignment is just as important as oh, lubrication because yeah. you could be lubricated and it'll still grind. And cause if your if your plate is not aligned, it'll still not pull. If your steps are not in the same sink, then they'll, they'll step at different lengths, and you'll rip that bed apart. It'll beat it to piss. That's, yeah. that's basically the third step is calibration. Yeah. Which, yeah. which assesses alignment. And just to follow up on what John was saying, as far as lithium grease, you would have to be about 200 degrees Celsius, really 215, hmm. and probably 392 degrees Fahrenheit before you can melt lithium-based. So you can uh, go grease. from a, a solid to a liquid So there, there's, as far as my understanding... Oh, that's close I, enough. I, I don't know of a system... That even enclosed, whether it extrude or gets oh. enough with the well, volume, the rails will get that hot. Yeah, no, I'm saying like well, I think you would have to move at a at a an RPM or a rate of so fast to create that type of friction. You would never sense. be able to break lithium grease down moving that yeah. fast. I think, and the extruder could never reach that temperature to heat up the volume of air even enclosed. Yeah, to to get to that temperature. That's I mean that's a good point. We're thinking about the hot end temperature. Right. Uh, we're we're definitely thinking about the heating block instead of the entire enclosure. Um, yeah, it, 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 that Your I mean it makes a lot of sense. Insane. Yeah, I, I think that I mean that's that's why we have a heat break. That's why right. you've got uh, special heat breaks. The, as the well. exception is is all bets are off with ABS. Yeah, you get the you get higher temperatures. I mean, because uh, ABS depends on how how long fiber. you're printing yeah. and where that. Where that volume of metal is, yeah. it could, if it's close enough to the rails, cause that. I, well, I, I can tell you, like my, for example, my boron, for example, and I've used white lithium on my linear rails, um, just to make, just to add a little bit of precautionary measure to them. Right, my boron will run chamber temperatures of 110 degrees Celsius. That's chamber temperature at the top of the chamber. 
Um, if you're talking about where the where the where the linear rail is, say where my tap is located, I have a sensor that's on board my. Um, this is going to get way off topic real quick. On board my um, um, my MCU that is on my printhead that runs my CAN bus. That does not see above 95 degrees Celsius. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think it's going to get, yeah, I don't yeah, think I it think would get to that point. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to move so fast coupled with being able, like printing for 50 hours. Right. Right. Like, of course, you, if you have an enclosed space that is truly, truly in, in vacuum, then you have but so long before that heats up. Right. So, yeah, that might, that's a different story. But if you're able to put that in a vacuum, we got other questions. That, that, there is one more. We kind of want to try that. So yeah. if you want to see it, let's then we probably something. want to move on to the next layer of that, uh, preventive maintenance. <laughs> it depends also on the heat of your bed. Yeah. Maybe you're more aggressive with your heat on your bed in conjunction with that chunk of metal that you're using mm -hmm. for your extruder. Maybe those things, if I stay those things in the same area, highly unlikely. Mm -hmm. Highly unlikely uh, that that would happen. But maybe that's something to consider if you're going to raise your temperature of your, your bed. But the next thing I, bed, yeah. I would say is filament handling. Mm. Moisture. That's Moisture true. with yeah. your filament, whether you realize it or not, will bite you in the end. Yeah. So every, you every, have every... to pay very special attention right. to the filaments you use and how you store them. Well, yeah, any, it's, any it's, yeah the storage. Yeah. Well, they, 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 it's, it's almost as if they are looking for it. Right. Uh, there's a, there's a scientific word for it. I can't, something, something scopic, hydroscopic. 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 Yeah, something. something I, 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 was, I didn't do well in English. Uh, but those, that's one of the things that, you know, is a characteristic of the filament. It's, if there's moisture in the air, it'll absorb that kind of like, Kind of like how you're, we are a conductor, or metal is a conductor for electricity. It, it's, it's, um, it exists in such a dry state that it's looking for some of that moisture. And it's only natural. It is hydroscopic. Yeah, yeah. so there we go. Um, but that, that's the thing. And that, this is why we have dry boxes. Mm -hmm. This is why you have clean rooms as well. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, if you were smart... You would have your enclosure kind of with your. Uh, this is why a lot of the the printers want the filament in the enclosure with it. It's also drying it as you print. So I thought about doing that with my boron. Is building an extension on the top of yeah. it to put my put my filament in there. Uh, just to go with that. However, however, I will say this, y'all. Please don't put your filament in the damn oven. Um, People do it. Don't do it. Oh yeah, don't do it. Don't be stupid. Well, um, don't however, unless you understand. Yeah, melting point. It's a different. Like it's a different way to do it. Do you have a garage? Store your filament in the garage. Yeah, <laughs> it's humid in there. <laughs> yeah, but no, the thing is, is what and, I do in the summertime. It's dry enough. Yeah, that that would keep it at a certain temperature, and mm. you do not have the humidity. The humidity is a lot lower mm. because the heat index is higher. If the heat index is higher, then the humidity is lower. That's See, what, what I do, I, I, I guess you can say, kind of just spoiled with what I got, is I take my filament, when I open it up, do I get ready to use it? I'll throw it in my Voron with a couple um, 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 you know, of the uh, Z-Test cubes, hold it up off the build plate, crank up the build plate to, you know, at mm -hmm. least a, a, a decent temperature that won't melt the filament that's on it, and let it sit. And I use my Voron as a, as a dry box to dry it out before I even... Yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea behind it is like, I mean, the reason Nick says don't use your oven is because most... Yeah, it's a safe too. Most people don't understand. Your oven is in Fahrenheit. All right. Yeah. When we are dealing with a lot of these things, overseas, we get the, some overseas. Yeah, Let's go still they, be in Celsius. You, you might be in Celsius if you're overseas. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Most in, in America, most are Fahrenheit. So whenever people are like, I need to put it at what temperature for it to be dried, and they say like, uh, it needs to be at 200 blah blah blah, or it needs to be like at 150 Celsius. They put it at 150 Fahrenheit, and you got melted, yeah. uh, melt like half melted, not fully melted because it's not at its transition point. 
but enough heat to that will will, will melt it. And it, it. Or if you don't even get there, it makes it brittle. You could ruin your print. Like uh, um, Jason, my brother has tea glaze, mm-hmm. and he and he did the same thing. And it the the chemicals inside sometimes react as well with how that heating element heats. Makes sense. Right. And if and and think about it. Your oven is not the cleanest unless you get in there and clean it every time. It's not the cleanest, so you have to pr- you have to keep that in in another sort of container. You put in that container. That's where you cook your food. Stop doing that. So you, yeah. if you're smart, get a dry box or, dehydrator. or a dehydrator, and you can three D print. Well, if you if you don't have that yet, you can put a put a dehydrator in a smaller enclosure. And if you don't put the lid on, it's just gonna take longer. But it will heat that enclosure. Uh, I mean, honestly, I've I've put several um, full rolls in a standard, not even a large food dehydrator. I just stacked up and printed the side walls higher so it would hold the heat. Now I'll say this: if you get you know if you get reputable filament and it's enclosed, it's locked in and stuff like that, it's vacuum sealed pretty well. You won't have that problem. Out of the box, you shouldn't see that yeah, issue. No, 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 but no, this no. goes with preventative maintenance. You check right. your consumables. You're checking your nozzle. Do, the do I have the any? Big one. The nozzle yeah. is a huge part. Do I have any wear and tear? Like if you're printing carbon fiber or any type of wood filament, anything with any type of flex of, of another type of filament. If you have like, there's some PLA pluses that just has bits of PET G mixed in, right? If you have that, the way that that, there's there's a chemical issue and a heating issue there because the the melting rate of the PLA and the melting rate of the PETG are going to be so offset that you might be melting your PLA, but the PETG is still solid. So some people might think of that as, yeah, my, my print's going to be sturdier because it's got things mixed together. But no, what ends up happening is it clogs, yeah. Or you heat it too hot and you're burning your PLA and you're getting elephant foot, you're ruining your print. There's a sweet spot. However, if you find that sweet spot with something that's that, it becomes abrasive, and that abrasiveness is what tears up. And, and, and do your math. If you're gonna if you're gonna run an abrasive filament, and you know what nozzle you're running, if you're not running a diamond tip nozzle, or you're not using the iridium nozzle and stuff like that, or the new nozzles that we see from slice engineering, is it galvium or yeah, galvium or whatnot? Uh, which I'm gonna get my hands on one of those. We're gonna test that damn thing. Oh, I have one. Um, but so we'll let Champ test it. I have it. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, is you know, if you know, if you're, if you, if you have this filament, you know you're going to be running a lot of it. If it doesn't cost you a lot to buy a roll filament, for example, if you're not buying from some of these bigger manufacturers, um, run a roll through it and see how fast it deteriorates your nozzle. Do a couple, a couple X Y prints in the cubes. The, the, you know, do do you know 10, 15, 20 of them. And see if you start getting a deviation and stuff like that. Everybody do for another benchy. So. Yeah, right. Or yeah, exactly. Always do a bench, and it, uh, that's the thing. I, you know, I say is whenever you do a calibration, yeah. you change your filament, you change your nozzle. Run a quick benchy or run a quick bed level real quick with it. You know, or an XY cube, and make sure that you're on point. And also, do temperature towers. Temperature towers should also be part of your your um. um your prevent your PMs, even though you're using the same filament over and over and over again from the same manufacturer, be from a different batch. Do it. Do a temperature tower to make sure that you're not having hotted issues. Cool. So to go back to just to follow up on what Nate was saying, so batch uh, the batches that you get the filament from could be different, and that's normally given uh, if you do a little digging. So that's back on what we call filament maintenance. When we talk in nozzle maintenance, I'll give you an analogy. Can wood heat metal? Yes, it can. Eventually. No. Pressure-treated wood, yeah. if you use regular nails, will eat the nails. It's a chemical reaction between a regular nail and the pressure-treated wood. Hmm. However, you use galvanized nail, you don't, you don't have that problem. So be aware of the materials in the nozzles. But sometimes the materials in the nozzles can react to each other. Right. So... It's kind of not, it's, it's, it's a science, but it's also a craft. Right. So even a welder, when he's using different materials to weld, hmm. he, he knows to use certain types of uh, welding wire 
with certain types of material. Mm -hmm. Stainless requires one thing, standard metal requires something else. So I mean you have to keep those in mind when you when you're doing these prints. If you're going to use some exotic type of filament, then you need to do a little research and verify, hey, what are the uh, consequences of using this? Mm -hmm. Now, Nick said that you can use some some special material nozzles, and that's that's fine. But if you're on a budget, you can also use standard nozzles, mm -hmm. brass nozzles. But you have to be aware of how much wear happens from how much filament I run through the nozzle. So you have to do a little mathematics and verify and consider if that's cost effective for a low budget setup. And, and the thing is, is you know, some, some people get have the luxury of living mm -hmm. by the coast or working by the coast. Like the guys working on, on oil rigs, for example. I don't know how many people we got listening to us. I know I got some people down there in Texas. Um, you know, if, if, if y'all working on the oil rigs, you know, out there on the Gulf Coast and stuff like that. You know, um, you know, out there by Texas A&M, Galveston area, whatnot. You know, and even overseas, the closer you are to the water, you're gonna start dealing with electrolysis. You're gonna start dealing with oh, man. salt water electrolysis, and which the salt water electrolysis will eat the heck out of freaking um, um, uh, anything stainless steel. It will eat that like nobody's business but mine. So you know, and also eat. You know, um, uh, brass. So if you're if you're in a salt water environment, um, even if you you know you're not, you're, your equipment's not getting wet, we know that. However, if you have salt water in the air, or if there's a chance that somebody may have salt water in their hands or something like that, you're dealing with a salt water electricity. Salt water electricity don't mix. They start causing electrolysis and starts eating things. Mm -hmm. So you know, make sure that you're you're checking that for any type of corrosion if you're in that environment. Is you know we take it for granted in areas that we're not near, you know salt water, you know ingress areas or you know, and stuff like that. But if you are in one of those areas, check for corrosion. Corrosion is is another thing that can positively just absolutely ruin your day from Jump Street. And and just to follow up on that, Nick. So normally what we do in environments that are are corrosive, we add a sacrificial metal. So maybe you, uh, in that environment, you add some type of softer metal, mm -hmm. so you can see the deterioration. The, the deterioration of that metal is happening at a rapid uh, amount, mm -hmm. and you can say, "Hey, when this gets to this point, then I know that my nozzle is not uh, the integrity of the nozzle has been compromised." Mm -hmm. So you can do some things like that if because it's it's hard in those type of environments. Or, or an environment where you have a lot of debris, sand, or... or right. Yeah, so I mean... Oh, so, yeah. So you, you have to kind of, you know, in those environments, you got to do some special things. You know, it, maybe... It's like we saw an article the other day, um, Defense Weekly did it on, um, uh, in um, a couple of the forums that I watch and stuff like that. We have um, 3D printers on board Ospreys for the United States Marine Corps, um, using with uh, NYWIC pack. Um, coming up with these ideas and stuff like that to pr to print um, um, the casts for service members that are hurt in, in the battle in the battlefield, mm -hmm. or that they had to go rescue some of that from the training area or whatnot. They can print their their casts pretty quickly and get them moving. Stabilize it, right? And stabilization stuff. So with that, you know, you're dealing with vibration. You're dealing with you know different parts of corrosion that could might not see before. You know, you're making sure that, you know, vibrate. The, the big thing is the vibration standpoint. It's vibration, you're dealing with things that can rack things loose. You know, tighten down those bolts. You know, make sure you don't have anything in there with it. Um, you know, sand, dirt, debris, um, bodily fluids. Um, you know, you know, blood or contaminants. Don't make sure, you know, that's not in there with it. Um, hate to bring that up, but it, the, the matter of the beast that they're dealing with. Um, you know, is, is check everything, make sure you're not dealing with any, you know, cross-contamination type of stuff. Yeah, cross-contamination is huge. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're not, if you're cross-contaminating mm -hmm. anything, like, you're not only, you're causing problems for somebody who maybe their system didn't, they didn't realize touched any of your chemicals, and now they're not doing safety checks on any of that. And right. And you've caused 
who knows how much pain. Mm-hmm. So it's very very dangerous if you cross contaminate, and, and it's mostly in food, but it can happen in in yeah. ke- any chemical situation. Right. So well, I would say firmware and software updates is probably another key factor. Uh, for two reasons, uh, you know, we we discussed the uh, security issues with having a uh, open network. Uh, so, uh, or we've also discussed the, you know, uh, implications of not updating firmware because maybe there's some exploit that just came a zero day exploit that was just discovered. With, with firmware updates, I think, and software updates that help. But also, you get added features with mm-hmm. a firmware update. So maybe it, it deals with some of the things. And just to touch on what Camp, what, excuse me, what Champ said with contamination. Contamination is not just, you know, having some debris or, but it can be the oils in your fingers touching the bed. I mean, one of the things that I suggest, you know, it's probably a, a newbie thing. It's, uh, you know, take you some, uh, some 99% isopheric alcohol and wipe your bed down before each uh, print. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It uh, also makes sure you have a good foundation to start with. Uh, so that, that would be something else I would suggest. And I think that's a, a, a given these days. And I can tell you the amount of bottles of, of iceberg alcohol you see on the floor at, at, uh, at Rapid. You know, they, I think every single booth has got probably like, we had like three or four of them bottles sitting there. Not happy with how much I've used. Yeah, I use more than I probably the should. The resin prints all have to be washed in it. But but I, I think if, if yeah, I think even with, with people that do sculptures, they do some type of you know process where they clean off before they start the next yeah. you know cut. So I think it's not a bad idea. I mean, it's, it's the nature of the beast. Uh, I think a guy that loves a car, he goes out there and you know washes it and waxes it mm-hmm. you know several times a week. So you should think of that that investment you made into that print form or that investment you made into your hobbyist 3D printer as something that you want to make sure that the bed is probably, that's mm-hmm. ground zero. You yeah. want to make sure ground zero is good. You know, we just kind of talked about, you know, te- you know laid into a little bit of the the um, the consumable side of house. You know, we, we've talked about the filament. We've talked about the, um, uh, the nozzles. However, the thing is you start really thinking about your consumables being your your IPA bottles, you know, make sure those are full. Um, make sure you have clean cloths available that are cotton to be able to wipe down the beds. Lint free cotton. free cotton to make sure you can wipe down the beds. Stuff like that. Stuff that won't you know induce problems. Microfiber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, microfibers are, mm-hmm. are another one. The, get, yeah, no. Harbor Freight, great place to go buy a microfiber cloth. You can buy a bunch of them for like twenty cents. Um, so great, great investment. Um, no, the Harbor Freight, that's my one. You'll, fi- you'll find some microfiber any- yeah. anywhere you can get towels Amazon. you'll find something, yeah. Um, or get the lint-free ones you can buy in the box. Yeah. Um, so, the thing is, it's it's your consumable, and do consumable research. You know, you know do, make sure you know how fast these things are going. Make sure you're tracking it. Make sure you, you, know, you have a spreadsheet of some sort that says, okay, cool, I'm eating through this rate of consumable. By this, a you know a rag for a printer can last months, you know without any issue to it as long as it's taken care of. Yeah, I mean as or long you, as you're not dropping it on the floor, throwing right, it, it you, around. Right, if you drop it on the floor, replace it. Yeah. However, isopropyl alcohol may only last a month. Or yeah. you can go streamline and buy packages of uh, lint-free wipes. Yep. And you can go in wipe area, but I, I I would like to venture into a few more things just to make sure we cover the areas of the. the uh, preventive maintenance like I said uh, power and electrical connections hmm. this is something that can migrate over time with vibration with just use uh, this is something you probably need to check probably not weekly but I, I would say month quarterly mm-hmm. you would want to verify those connections because they can't come loose which could cause problems with GMCU. You. It, it, it should probably be in your TPM though yes. your team member PM should be checking to make sure that your your plugs are somewhat decently connected yeah, I mean, but I, I think that I would I would agree with I would agree with both of you. I guess um, there should be the, the team member checking the basic checks. Um, does the plug look like it's on fire? No. Okay. Well, that one's fine. Like check your area. Well, that's and then visual. On a, like, on a higher. Yeah. But well, I'm I'm not saying just visual. I'm just trying to. I was just saying uh, I'm plugged into this wall unit and it's not charging my torque tool battery. Whatever. Uh, right. So you're like okay, noted. Move on. 
but the the bigger PM I would say would come from the maintenance side who's checking that that fuse box and they're like okay uh, this fuse is blown here's this and we've got extras right. uh, so there, I think there's levels to it so normally just to explain TPM so normally <clears throat> TP, TPM from let's say from a, a shop floor environment mm -hmm. TPM and, and say PM is a little bit different right. TPM is check this and it normally is a visual check. Okay. Or normally it's a wipe this or wipe that. Mm -hmm. That's normally a TPM check. That's a daily or a weekly. Mm -hmm. Normally when you're talking about like a quarterly PM or yearly PM, I check every connection on a terminal strip. That's I take that a screwdriver yeah. and I make sure that every screw is as tightened as I can get it. Um, because the TPM should give you immediate attention. I need it. Mm -hmm. then the PM should be the thing to verify that the TPM covered mm -hmm. what you was trying to do. And and you both are right. It, that, that, there's no no right or wrong in this particular situation. As long as you're checking <clears throat> something, right? <laughs> right. Well, I'm saying if, yeah. I, if I do a visual check, a smell check. Same thing as checking your fire extinguisher. Yeah, or right? hearing yeah. check. Yeah. If I'm doing all those things, then I should see anything that's abnormal. Mm -hmm. If it's nothing abnormal... Just because I know the nature of vibration and connectors and things, mm -hmm. yearly I should verify that those connections are good. Yeah. All right. So. Just don't do a taste test, please. Yeah. The rec. The next thing would be regular regular usage. If you're not using the printer, expect to have clogs. Yeah. I will say it mm -hmm. one more time. If you are not using the printer, expect to have clogs. So regular usage is a preventive measure. Mm -hmm. If you don't use it and it sure. sits, then you leave yourself to some of the things that happen with things sitting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if it has to circulate any type of fluid, then that fluid, if it's not moving, if it sets, you got to replace you're, If it's stuck in the hose, you're replacing the whole hose too. Mm -hmm. And the fluid. And that's not easy. Let's hope it didn't explode and on not, you. And that's we, not fun. <laughs> almost, almost had happen to us the other day. Yeah. And then I'll say the last thing, because I know we get a little long, is documentation. Yeah. Everything we just said yeah. needs to be documented to verify so that we have some integrity in the process to say, hey, I just I did not pencil with this. I verified those steps. Yeah, I agree with that. It's I a think check. Integrity is important. Yeah, because yeah. it's the same thing. So you order when you when you like rented uh, books from the library when you were in school, you you'd have to. I mean, it's probably very different nowadays. Mm -hmm. You'd sign the front of the book. I right? had well, yeah, there was a little slip in the front. You'd have to sign out the slip, mm -hmm. and and you would date and and, and everything. It's the same situation. It's like okay, I am taking care of this station. I am checking these things, and if you're in a place where safety is paramount. You are now accepting the responsibility of if someone checks this system and it fails and injures them, and it's one of those things that you were supposed to check or change, yep. you are responsible for that injury now. And I can't, I'm not, that's not going to be on my conscience. I, I think, it, you know, especially if you're an operator, operators should check out the machines and say, guess what, you know, I've taken full responsibility of this machine today. You know, this is what I'm dealing with, especially if you're in a, if you're in a large print house type of thing. If you're in a you know an eight person freaking little you know print shop and stuff like that, yeah, it might not have that availability. However, yeah. it's go buy an initial the printers making saying that you looked at them, you verified that nothing's on fire, and you know stuff like that. I I think that would be your 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 caveat. And the one thing is most, and I'll, I'll leave it at this: most printers do not have you know have um, a lot of um, environments or lockout tagout availability. Um, so be very weary. Um, don't send a print to a printer that's possibly undergoing maintenance. Um, you know, understand which ones are going under maintenance that day. Um, they can be unplugged from the wall, but if they have to be doing live maintenance, like a, a quick maintenance print or something like that, that they can run to make sure that everything is flowing correctly. You know, um, don't send a print to that that could possibly injure or harm somebody. I'd, I'd go one further than that when we're talking safety. It should be unplugged from the device and the wall. If you're doing any type of maintenance where your hands is exposed to any well, electrical agree. voltage, right? That that should be. You should unplug and make sure you discharge yeah. any any static, yeah. uh, because. Unfortunately for us today, because of uh, pulse width modularization and 
uh, maybe switch mode power supplies. They build that into those, but that doesn't okay. mean a, that does not mean a component will not fail. Yeah, trust right. nothing. Yeah, I just I've been shocked by too many capacities. Trust nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say one more thing on TPM. You, no matter how big your print farm is, your commercial farm is, your industrial application is, you should have a TPM trail. Right. There are there at every point where there's supposed to be a check, either on the device or on the floor, that should be a thing with every with a symbol that say check, check, check visually. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to have a list. I should be be able to visually look. The Europeans are normally good with this. Mm-hmm. They had visual management. We should we should think about these things when we're starting to get into three D printing as a entrepreneurship or as a actual full scale business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about adding these visual management tools that anybody new can walk and say, "Hey, check, right? Sight, hearing, and smell it." That's why they got the red lights on most of the POCs for processors, right? Yeah, and you can, red, you can add those orange. to printers too. So, you know, you can actually see when you're in a fault status. Yep. Um, RGB lighting, um, making sure that you have, um, you know, a, a master kill switch. You know, integrate if you're building your own printers, integrate an e-stop. Put an e-stop on it. And if anything, pop that e-stop before you start doing maintenance. Because the e-stop will disconnect it from its its main power. And and also, I would even go a further step than that. I would put in thermal thermal protection in line with anything that that is being heated, where they can generate an enormous amount of current, that it'll have a thermal fuse. Install a thermal fuse so that if the temperature reaches a certain point, before it can reach the point of catching on fire, Mm -hmm. the thermal fuse is sacrificed as opposed to to uh, sacrificing mm-hmm. uh, components on the actual printer. Hmm. Think, about, makes, think about incorporating yeah. these type of things. You would need that. I mean, that makes just... They do them in hand dryers right now. Fail-safes. I mean, your, your print, like, you can even get down to, like, you, you don't want it, but there's always fail-safes where you can have print critical fail print re- resumption. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's in the, 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 the software, but at the end of the day, you'd rather not have to use that. So. But if your wife uses a hair, hair blower or hair dryer, yeah. it has a thermal fuse in it. Oh, and yeah, also, okay. it has GFI... GFIC protection. I know you wouldn't know about the hair if, it, if it's dropped in the water. These are things that happen yeah, because these it. things that's have true. happened in the past. Yeah. That those things have burned down houses. Yeah. Or killed people because it dropped in the shop mm-hmm. in yeah. the water in the tub. Yeah. You know. True. And I, I think that that kind of brings us. You know. I think I think we've kind of hit the, the morbid side of the house now. Um. You know, I, I think that brings us to the end of at least the mechanical side of the house for PMs or what is PM. Um, so, you know, the thing is, is, you know, we kind of covered more of your mechanical and your overarching. So that's what we're, you know, next week we're looking more or less into your um, your electrical PMs. Um, you know, how do I check a breaker? How do I check a breaker? How do I check a, a fuse and stuff like that? You know, what do I need to do to make sure this is, you know, actually correct or not correct? But... <clears throat> I want to say thank you. You know, I'm looking at the stats right now. We're at 1,755 all-time downloads right now. You know, um, you know, we, we, we keep climbing and climbing and climbing. And, you know, we appreciate it. You know, we really do. Um, I know I do. Um, and I want to say thank you, you know, to everybody, you know, that is, that is tuned in. If you see any or hear anything that you'd like a further explanation on, Shoot us an email, get in touch with us. You know, we're more than happy to help you. You can get us on all the socials. Um, you know, you might see some funnier things coming soon that we're going to be dealing with. Um, you know, you'll see some more serious stuff that we're going to be dealing with sooner or later. You know, hopefully that, you know, we can get y'all thinking, having some fun with it. Um, if you're going to be at South Tech this year, um, up in up in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, let us know. We'll stop by and see you. Um, you know, have a little bit of conversation with you. Um, you know, we definitely don't mind it. Um, so, you know, I know that there's still some stuff that we got to do that we still do out from, from rapid. So if y'all are listening to us, um, you know, I just want to, um, you know, um, you know, I just want to, uh, you know, thank every single one of you, 
you know, for that. Um, yeah, sorry, that was the garage door that was triggered. <laughs> I, my feet, my feet started vibrating. I have an auto trigger <laughs> on the uh, on the garage that closes at a certain time. So you know, if if we owe you a due out, um, from uh, um, from Rapid, mm. I promise you, we're coming to you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be sending you some emails, getting some interviews set up, stuff like that, people we want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we highly appreciate every single one of y'all. We wouldn't do this if it wasn't for you. Um, you know, thank you all, and I'm going to pass it over to you. Uh, like I said, I, I kind of uh, mimic the same thing Nick said. We appreciate all the support. Um, I, I would like to say uh, we do appreciate all of the uh, uh, downloads we've gotten. Uh, we appreciate uh, um, everybody that's given any suggestions. Um, uh, I would like to encourage more people. Uh, if you have um, particular things you want to, uh, us to cover as far as topics, we're, we're open to those type of things. Uh, we have a few challenges that we haven't finished up from last year. Uh, in particular, I'm working on some things I'll start working on those again uh, life happens so sometimes things get delayed so um, it's a few things that are coming up in the future alright so I always echo these guys uh, saying thank you um, it's nice to have a platform even if it reaches one person I, I mean to be honest with you the knowledge is there for, for everybody but even if it just reaches one person I think that's enough too so if we could help one person that's then why not right um, it's a good mentality to have uh, on on the side of a lot of uh, of what's coming up next is uh, just keep keep uh, or stay tuned and and honestly like a lot of those topics we we would like um, you know guidance I mean we'll we'll find something right we'll we'll talk about something but if it's something about your pa- if it's something that you're passionate about we'll definitely be able to um, kind of take it and we'll take uh, very good care with that because we'll it'll be something that not only we would like to learn more about, but it's something that you guys were uh, very interested in. So please, please uh, reach out with anything that you want to talk about. I mean, it could be space. It could be anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, um, or, or like what Nick's saying, if you don't understand anything or if it's something, even if you say, hey, that's not right, just come talk to us about it. I mean, I'd like to learn about it a little bit more. Maybe I don't have the, maybe we don't have the right perspective. It's totally fine. So, but, but um, we can't have those conversations if, um, we don't push that point so uh once again greatly appreciate everybody stay tuned we've got a lot of stuff coming um and yeah we'll we'll see you in the next one i would like to add one more thing before we leave go ahead uh when we are uh at the next event if you guys would want to you know do some networking and maybe we grab a beverage that's uh fine with us you just reach out to us and uh we'll be happy to meet you guys somewhere at the next event sounds good That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoyed the show, and don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.